How's everyone doing today? Awesome. Wow, we have a pretty full house today. Awesome. <laughs> uh, if you don't know me, I'm the assistant pastor here. I'm Pastor Aiden Handel. Nice to meet you. Something that you need to know about Hope Center. We are small, but we are mighty. Uh, if you look at us, we have different lives, different class in society, but we all do something for God, and uh, that's something great. Uh, last week, we talked about prayer, and we talked about just the central things about prayer. Um, we learned what prayer is. We learned what prayer is not, when and where to pray. We learned just the foundations of prayer. And we're in this series called Spiritual Disciplines for an Imperfect Life. What, the, what that means is that if you're not perfect, then this applies to you, right? And none of us are perfect, so it applies to everyone, right? No one's excluded from this preaching. And last week, we simplified the whole preaching with a simple phrase. You can pray anywhere, anytime, about anything, and so if you want to memorize that, remember AAA, right? You know what AAA is. It's that car service, right? When you get in a rough, what do you do? You call AAA. In the same way, when you need help from the Lord, you call AAA. You pray anywhere, anytime, about anything. And so if you're taking notes, write that down, AAA. Triple A. And so when you forget and you're like, man, I don't know if I could pray right now. I don't know if, what I can pray about. Remember, triple A. So today will be our second part on prayer, going over the guidelines that Jesus shows us on how to pray through the Lord's Prayer and the verses prior. And what you see here is that a lot of things are overlapping. And so if you weren't here last week, then great, because we're going to go over some of the things we went over last week. And so the purpose of this message today is to equip you further with the tools necessary to live out a prayer-filled life that God calls us to be in. And so we're going to begin with just the verses before the Lord's Prayer. And so this is Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And so if you have your Bible, you could turn there with me. Matthew 6, 5 through 8, right, right before the Lord's Prayer. And this is Jesus talking, and he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what you have done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask, ask him. And now that we read the set of scriptures, let's go over the guidelines that Jesus gives us to, to walk with him in this prayer-filled life. And as I said before, there's going to be some overlap with last week, and so if you are here, great. This is a recap. And if you weren't, then this is new to you. So that's great as well. And so we're going to take it step by step. We're going to go through the whole scripture step by step. When you pray. And so last week I had talked about when Jesus says when you pray, he's not saying if you pray or when you feel like praying. 
He's saying, when you pray. And so what this means is that he's expecting that you already have a prayer-filled life, right? And for Jesus, what this was, what prayer was, was a connection with the Father. And so anyone that follows Jesus, Jesus is expecting that you want that same relationship with the Father as he had with him. And so Jesus expects that we already are in a prayer-filled life as Christians, The second part of the scripture, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. What this tells us is Jesus does not want us to pray to be seen like the hypocrites. And so what is a hypocrite? It's a Christian that says they follow Jesus, but don't follow Jesus with their hearts or with their actions. That's a hypocrite. And so what Jesus is saying is these people were hypocrites at the time, and they would go to the synagogue, which they knew was the place that people had to go to if they were Jewish, and it was a holy place. And so what they're doing is they're, they're trying to be viewed as holy. They're praying so that everyone can hear them, so everyone can see them, and be like, oh, that guy, that guy's a prayer word. That woman's a prayer word. But in reality, their heart was not in it. And so even when it says that they were on the corner of the streets praying to be seen, same thing. On the streets, there's people constantly passing by. And so they're doing this not to be seen, or to be seen. And as I said last week, prayer is never about your ego. It's never about your ego. And we see this through this scripture. Number three is when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Jesus tells us to find a secret place, a place where it's private and there's no distractions to pray. And so growing up, my my grandma was a spirit, spirit spirit-filled woman. I mean, this woman was on fire for God my whole life. And I remember that we have this, uh, they have a two-story house, and on the top, there's three rooms, and the middle room was my grandma's designated prayer room. It was her secret place. And I remember when we would spend the night as the, net, the grandsons, um, every morning, 5 a.m., before the sun was even out, my grandma was praying in her secret place in that middle room for us, for the future, for our future wives. My, my grandma was praying in that secret place. Now, why was she doing that? Well, it's because there's no distractions. My grandma knew that when the sun wasn't out, no one was out either. And so there was no noise but the Lord's voice. And I remember my mom as well, five in the morning. She was a theater teacher growing up in high school. She was a theater teacher in high school. And so she would wake up at 5 a.m. and she would be praying. And I remember waking up and she would always be playing a preaching. And that was her routine. She would always go to her secret place, which was the counter in the kitchen, have her coffee, praying, and then reading her word and listening to her preaching. My whole life, I remember her doing that. That was her secret place. My dad as well, the garage was his secret place. We had built a, a room and an office for him because it was just quieter, and he, he tended to be loud when he was praying. And I remember at 5 a.m., again, I don't know what's up with 5 a.m. Maybe it's a holy time. I don't know. Uh, but he would go up, he would wake up at 5 a.m., and in the secret place in his garage, he was praying 
for myself, for the church, for the future. And I remember hearing him so loud praying that it would wake up me and my brother, and we're like, what the heck is going on? And it was just my dad praying in his secret place. Uh, For myself, my secret place is my office. And so when I come in, um, I go straight to my office. I close the door. Um, If you go in my office, it has like this coffee house lighting. Uh, That's how I like it. And then I also have this running little river thing in there. (laughs) And so as you can imagine, it's my secret place. And that's where I go to pray. And that's where I go to read the word because I know there's no distractions until Pastor Jared comes in, right? <laughs> and so I remember um, when, I first, when I first got here to Hope Center, it was the first thing that I would do. I would go, I would read my word, and I would pray for you guys, for my family, for my cousins in California, everything. Just would pray in that secret place. And so what's important about the secret place is that Jesus shows us that he goes into the secret place many times. And what that tells us is that we need to have a place for ourselves where we can be one-on-one with the creator and talk to him and, and be personal with him. And this is the place where you can let everything out, anything that's in your heart and your mind, anything that's weighing you down in the secret place, that's where you let it go to the Lord. And this could be anywhere. I'm not saying it doesn't need to be a certain place. You can, it could be in the kitchen. It can be in the garage, like I said, in your room, uh, maybe in a coffee house. Whatever is a place where you have no distractions, that is the perfect secret place. Number four is when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And last week I talked about how People, there tend to be people in the church where it's kind of like this long, unnecessary prayer. And you could be praying about food, and for some reason, this person is talking about everyone in the world being saved, and the kids in Africa, and um, someone being sick. And, but you're, you're praying before dinner, right? And if you have guests over, that could be unnecessary, right? And so the Lord is saying, Jesus is saying, you don't have to make it fancy. You don't have to make your prayers long and elaborate. What Jesus is looking for is he's looking for the words that you speak out of your heart. That's what he's looking for. And many times the words that you speak of your heart is a lot less than the words that you speak of your mind, right? And so he's looking that you be yourself and that you be true with the Father, right? Because Last week, I talked about how prayer is a friendship. And when you're in a friendship, you need to be honest with the other person. And with the Lord, you have to be honest with the Lord. Number five is do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus assures us that the Father has our best interest in mind, knowing that we, uh, that we already have what we need before we even ask him. I remember um, in college, I was sleeping in my car for a season because I was a commuter, and so it took me an hour to get to school uh, from San Bernardino to Costa Mesa, which is like L.A. area. And so what could turn from an hour, I'm telling you, many times it turned to four hours (laughs) waiting in traffic to get to school. And so I wasn't working at the time because I just couldn't get work. And um, I had a lot, of lot of classes. It was the whole day, so it was hard to, to find a job that would accommodate that. 
And so what I would do is I would sleep in my car to save money because gas was high rate, uh, at that time period. And driving for an hour means that you have to fill your gas when you get there and you have to fill your gas when you get back. And so it's a lot of money. And so I would sleep in my car and finances were tight, right? And, uh, but I never asked God uh, for finances in prayer. I never did. And I remember we were in this big assembly for the whole college, and there's this preacher that came, and he had asked, how many of you need help financially? And you would think every college student would raise their hand, but there was only a couple, so they weren't being honest. <laughs> and so I remember there was a couple that raised their hands, and he went around, and he said, oh, God is going to provide. God is going to provide. God is going to provide. I was the last one that he talked to, and he said, God has something special on your life. God is going to provide something. He pulled me out of my seat, and he had me go in front of everyone and yell this phrase. I don't even know what it was. And um, he said after the preaching, he said, we're going to help you financially to pay for your gas in this um, season in your junior year. Uh, he never did. <laughs> he never did. Uh, and thank God I'm not a bitter person because I could totally be bitter. But... What I remember from that moment is that God was reminding me that I was being seen. And even though this man didn't provide the finances for me, I knew that the Lord was reminding me that he was going to provide for me. I didn't even have to ask, but he had a pastor call me out, not even support me, but assure me that I was going to be helped. And that was something um, really, really sincere for me. And so as you can see in the scriptures, Jesus gives us some guidelines to a prayer-filled life. And now we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. And same thing, we're going to take it step by step. And we're going to study the structure that Jesus gives us in this prayer um, when we might not know what to pray. And so many times people can kind of use the Lord's Prayer as you have to pray this every single day. Uh, I don't believe that. I believe that it does give us a structure on how to pray, but I don't believe that we have to pray every single day. I don't think that's what Jesus was calling us to do. And so the Lord's Prayer is in Matthew 6, 9 through 14, and it's really short. Uh, it says, this then is how you should pray. This is Jesus talking. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As you can see here, Jesus stays within his own guideline. Uh, he's keeping it short and he's keeping it clear with the purpose, right? He's not making his prayer long. He's not saying, I don't want you to do your prayer long. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, I get to break the rules because I'm Jesus. No, he keeps to the rules that he sets in place. And so let's break this structure down step by step. We're going to take the Lord's Prayer and we're going to break it down. And the reason why I do this is I believe that many times we could read things in whole um, but because we don't break it step by step, there's a lot that we miss. And so I want to be as clear as I can and help you as much as I can so that you can be in a prayer-filled life. And so the first part is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so what this tells us to do is to address God appropriately as the Father and praise God for who he is and what he has done. 
And so maybe you don't know what hollowed mean. Like you hear hollowed and it's like a movie term. Uh, that's not what it is here. When I say hollowed, it means to be holy. And so what you're doing here in this first part of praying is that you're setting God apart from everything else in your life. You're saying, Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. Lord, you are the king of kings. Lord, you are the creator. You are the one that has your hand over me. And so in this first part, you're setting God apart. In the second part, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what this says is to acknowledge that God's plan is in control and not ours. And so there's something about putting your trust in the plan of God, not the plan you place for yourself. And so I remember um, before I was, in, I was at Faith Chapel and I was doing an internship and um, I was starting to do this, I was starting to transfer to this new season and I didn't really know what the Lord wanted me to do. And so I took this opportunity to work here at Hope Center to God and I just prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed with Savannah and we felt as though the Lord told us to do this thing. And so I remember this was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. So I'm going to be very honest with you. And so I remember going to the overseer of me at Faith Chapel and saying, hey, uh, I accepted the job at Hope Center. And he said, and I said, what do you think about that? And he said, uh, well, if you wanted my advice, you should have asked me before. And uh, I remember that I was expecting that there's going to be some kind of encouragement or like, yes, good job. But it was the complete opposite. And uh, I remember in my heart, it was like, Broop, like my, my stomach dropped. And my dad just happened to be visiting. And he was like, I, I told him what happened and what happened with this person. And he was like, just apologize, just apologize. And well, this person left. Uh, from the staff lunch, and I had to chase after him and figure out where he was. And so I go in front of this guy, and this guy is just, he's a strong guy. He fought, he's a, a great follower of God. And I remember going up to his office and saying, listen, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry that I didn't run it past you, but I felt as though the Lord told me to do this, and I'm going to do it. And he said, well, you're a grown-up. You can make your own decisions. And I was like, well, God told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. And so now I've been here for almost two years uh, following what God had told me to do at that time, right? And what seemed like it was my plan was not my plan. It was the Lord's plan. And that's the reason why I'm here today, and that's the reason why I stay here is because the Lord called us here for just a season, for a time uh, like this. And so the next part is, give us today our daily bread. And the Lord isn't, Jesus isn't saying, thank you for your food, like give thanks to your food. What he's saying is, ask what you need from him. Um, not what you want. <laughs> There's a difference. Don't ask what you want, ask what you need. And many times this looks like saying, Jesus, I don't know what I need, but you do. And so I'm praying, Father, that whatever you know that I need, that you give it to me. You see the difference there of saying, Lord, I want that you give me this job and you give me this promotion. No. When you say, Lord, 
I want what you want for me. It's, it's giving the whole responsibility to the Father. And the good thing about that is he has your best interest in mind. And so what this shows us is that we don't have to worry because God has what we need. And he knows what's best for us. Number four is, and forgive us our debts as, as, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And so what this means is to confess of how we sinned and repent with a humble heart. Uh, repentance and humbleness, it has to be paired. Uh, they're not separate. In order to repent, you have to be humble before the Lord. And repentance opens the door for God to give you direction. Because many times when you haven't repented, you have this, this wall, this barrier between you and God. And you feel as though you have it all together when in reality God is trying to give you direction. But you're not letting him in because you haven't repented. And so I remember when um, I was struggling with addiction with pornography, many, many, many times I would tell myself, Lord, I got this on my own. I could handle it. And every single time I failed, there was the shame and the shame and the shame and the shame. And I remember when I gave the reins to God, when I gave Jesus the wheel, and I said, Lord, I repent because I thought I knew better than you. Uh, I remember that there was a clear direction of how to, to get out of that addiction and how to put things in place so I don't fall into that again. And how to surround myself with people that can encourage me and help me and who maybe have struggled with the same thing in the past. That would have never happened if I never repented of my sin. Of saying, Lord, I thought I knew more than I knew than you. And you know better. Number five is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. I think I, I skipped a part, didn't I? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, well, we're going to do some, uh, <laughs> we're just going to come up with that on, on the spot. My bad. Uh, I have a newborn, and so lack of sleep, uh, not eating on time, and so please have mercy with me. <laughs> um, and so lead us not in temptation. And what this means is, Lord, just help me with my flesh. Help me with my flesh. I think many times we forget that, that scripture that says, take up your cross. What does that mean? It means to crucify your flesh. And that flesh, I mean, it could get in the way of so many things the Lord wants for you. You know, doubt can come in through your flesh. Temptation can enter through your flesh. Pride can enter through your flesh. And the only thing that is going to help you with those things is if you repent and you crucify the flesh. And you give those temptations away to the Lord. And so a simplified way to apply the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to try to give you something that is easy to apply to whatever you do in life. And so maybe this is a lot for you to remember. And I, I want you to, uh, to remember this. When I said this last week, uh, the Lord will listen to your prayer no matter the structure. But the Lord's Prayer is there for a reason. And so the Lord's Prayer is meant to be used as a starting point. And so from an article titled, The Lord's Prayer, How Jesus Taught Us to Pray, it says this. This is a quote. It says, this framework, talking about the Lord's Prayer, 
gives us something to hold on to and come back to when our mind wanders. There are so many distractions in our lives, children to take to school, emails that need a thoughtful response, and social media can take up our minds off of the task that is at hand, speaking to God. The Lord's Prayer not only keeps us focused, but it can be a bookmark to come back to when our mind goes elsewhere. And so I want you to remember this. When you're struggling to find a starting point to prayer, remember the Lord's Prayer. And it's as simple as this. This is is the abbreviation that I'm giving you. GPG. GPG. I gave you AAA. This is GPG. And what this means is simply God personal, and God. And so uh, an example of this, G, which stands for God. Father, thank you for another day of life and all you've given me. G. P, personal. I pray, Father, that you give me wisdom in this job interview later today. That's P because it's personal. It's my want. It's my need. And then back to G. You end it with God. And thank you, and I pray, Lord, that your will would be done and that you always, and I thank you, Lord, that you always have my best interest in mind. Amen. Simple, right? And so when you're thinking about the Lord's Prayer, think GPG. Start with God, give your petition, your wants, and then end with God and give thanks to him for what he will do, right? Simple as that. Now that we went over Jesus' guidelines and structure given in the Lord's Prayer, let's talk about some practical prayer practices you can make a part of your life to make your life a prayer-filled one. And so the first one is taking prayer walks. In Genesis 3.8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so what you could see here is from the very beginning, God is wanting to walk with humanity. And what you see later on is with Moses in the tent, God's presence travels with the Israelites as they escape the Egyptians. And what you also see with the Ark of the Covenant, when the presence of God is sitting on top of the Ark of the Covenant, is again, God wants to be with his people. And so when you are walking, just walking, or maybe you can't walk and you have a wheelchair, that's fine too. But just take a time every day to just go around your block, go around your building, whatever it might be, and just pray. Just pray. Because many times that gets your mind thinking. And many times when you're walking, uh, it's easier to not think about so many things. And so what I want you to remember is just walk. Walk with God. It's as simple as that. Walk with God. Ten-minute walk a day will keep the demons away. There you go, right? Ten-minute walk a day will keep the demons away. Uh, Walking is also healthy for you, so it's a benefit for you too. Uh, There's a lot of people out there that are good looking at 40 years of age, and all they say they do is walk every day. So just walk. Just walk with the Lord and pray. Number two is finding your secret place. And so Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Uh, growing up in my youth group, we did a lot of really amazing things. And one of them is we had something called a prayer visual, which was 
just a time where you just pray all day. I mean all day. And usually it was on Friday or Saturday. And so this certain time we went up to something called Prayer Mountain. And it's in California. And it's really cool. It's this literal mountain where they carved out caves so you could go in it and pray one-on-one with the Lord. And so I remember this when I was in high school that we went to this, this prayer mountain. And there's these caves. It's dark. It's kind of lit up. It's quiet. You don't get service on your phone. And so it's the perfect environment for you to be one-on-one with God, right? It's a secret place, right? And so the secret place, like I said earlier, is just a place where there's no distractions. Maybe you're a mom and you have kids and the shower is the only place that's your secret place. Make that your secret place. If, uh, you know, doing your makeup or for men, putting on your clothes, make that your secret place. But make sure you make a secret place for the king, right? You have to make a place for him. You have to make a place for him. Number three is following a prayer format. And that's what I gave you through the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 12. And so something about prayer format. Last week I said uh, a, for, a certain format of prayer is not going to get your prayers answered, right? Uh, because a lot of times people, especially now in modern times, Christ, some Christians can say, if you follow this scripture, God will answer your prayer. Not true. Not true. It's up to God. It's up to God whether he's going to answer your prayer or not. But what a prayer format can do is give you some direction. And that's good. And so uh, if you have the, the Bible app on your phone, um, what it does is usually when you start a devotion, at the end of the devotions, it says, pray for your family or pray for strength. Pray. And so that's an example of a prayer format. It's just giving you a simple format so you don't get distracted by all the other things that are going on. Number four is praying with others. This is one of the most important practices when praying is praying with others. In Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. In Matthew 18, 19 through 20, it says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And so I remember growing up, we had these prayer vigils. And sorry I give you so many experiences, but that's, uh, that's how I like to relate is a, a story because I feel as those stories is something you can really latch on to. And so growing up, we had prayer vigils like I was talking about. And uh, there was this certain one that we would do with several Hispanic churches, and it started at 9 p.m. till 3 a.m. <laughs> and so you can imagine, this is a long prayer time, right? And during this time, it was a mix. It was adults, it was kids, it was um, youth. And what we would do is we would pray for certain things. And so there would be a pastor, and they'd say, we're going to pray for the, the hungry in the city. And then everyone would come together and pray for that thing. Or we're going to pray for north, south, east, east, and west. And we're going to pray for that all together. And I remember we would switch sides, praying for each side. And so what you can see here is that all of us were together for one purpose with the same prayer, right? 
And something, something happens in that place because God loves, loves, loves community. That's why the church is here in the first place is because God has a heart for community. And so when we're in community and we pray, something happens. And God does something. And so it's important that in your life you pray with others, whether it's your wife or your husband, your kids, uh, a friend, uh, pray with someone. Uh, me, me and Savannah, we pray when she was working, we would pray before she got to work, we would pray in the morning, we would pray at night, we would pray when I went to work. And I remember we went to our marriage counselor and he said that because we prayed, we already have a 50% more chance of not to get divorced. And so what you could see here, prayer is important to have with others, especially your, your uh, significant other. Number five is prayer list. Luke 18, 7 through 8 says, and, w- and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? On the earth. And so, prayer list, what it could do is it could do two things. It could build community, right? Um, so, we have a, a whiteboard over here in the hallway where you could write your prayers. And what you see there is that people are vulnerable and people are honest. And these are people of the church that may not be honest or vulnerable when one on one. But because it's a prayer list, they, they have this trust that other people are going to pray for them. And so it creates this community of prayer, which is important as a life as a Christian. Also, praying on your own is important to have a list. Uh, sometimes, as I said, we can get distracted. Like me, it's like uh, every three seconds there's a squirrel, right, in my mind, where I'm just thinking about several things. If you know where that's from, that's from up. Um, and so I remember it was just uh, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. But with having a list, it keeps me structured. It keeps me in line, right? It doesn't let my mind wander off. And so a prayer list is important for the individual, for you, and it's also important to do with others. And so in conclusion, I know this is a lot of teaching, uh, but the reason why I do this is because I believe it's necessary that you learn this as a Christian or as someone that's thinking about Jesus. Prayer is essential to our life as a Christian. It cannot be separate from you, right? And so prayer is a necessary part of a life filled with Jesus. Is it, it is a relationship, is a friendship, it's a connection. And so prayer, again, can happen anywhere, anytime, about anything. And when you forget this, think AAA. But remember, prayer cannot be separate from Jesus. And so when you let yourself get in the way, you need to push yourself aside and give it to God. Because many times our ego could get in the way. Many times our flesh can get in the way. Many times the distractions in our life could get in the way. But it's necessary that we don't separate Jesus from our prayer life. Now, I believe from last week and this week, or if you're just here for this week, that you have everything necessary to live a prayer-filled life. It's not hard. It's pretty simple. 
All God needs from you is your time, and you have 24 hours of it, right? Whether it's early in the morning when it's still dark outside, whether it's when the sun is going down, you could go to the park, you can go anywhere where you can be one-on-one with God and just speak to him in prayer. And so uh, what I want to do now is I want to practice what we learned, and so we're going to do the acronym G. PG, God, personal God. And so if you would join me, I want you to just say thank you to God for whatever in your life. You could say it out loud. You could say it under your breath. You could say it in your mind. But let's just thank God for a second. And then we're going to ask God, this is what I need. And then we're going to end with giving thanks to God. Does it sound good? Okay. Lord, I, I thank you. And so you can pray on your own as well. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you give me another day of life, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we even have a place to go to to hear your word, Lord. Father, I thank you for the relationship we can have with you, that you are never too far away. That for anyone living on the streets, for anyone living in a house, in a mansion, you are still there for them. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you see us even as being unperfect beings, Lord. You still love us. Thank you, Lord. And now we're going to go to the the P section, which is personal. And so if you have anything that's on your heart or your mind, just pray for that thing. Lord, I pray for my daughter, Lord, that is just growing up, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would allow her to be a prayer warrior, that she would be a force to be reckoned with in your army, Lord. I thank you for her life. I thank you that she's healthy and strong. Father, I even pray, Father, that you would help me for next week's preaching, Lord, on worship, that you would allow me to have a worshipful life on my own. We thank you, Father, for all these things, Lord. Thank you, Father, for letting me bring my personal request to you. And now let's go to G again. And so this is just saying, God, I recognize you as being set apart and holy. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are holy and set apart, that you are the king of kings, that you are the savior of the world. Father, I pray in my humility, Lord, that your will would be done. And if this prayer, Lord, is, is a green light for you, then let it be, Lord. And if it's not, then don't let it be, Father. But I I believe, Lord, that your will is atop of mine, Lord, and I give you full reign of my life. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to end with worship. And so if you could stand with me, and then you can go ahead and exit.